2017 Gallup poll revealed that 85% of people in a random survey hate their job. 85% of people hate what they're doing because 85% of people at least are not doing what they are really talented at, good at, put on this earth to do, if you will. Problem is they have the talent to do something else, but they don't have a clue how to get started, how to take that talent and turn it into a business. Welcome to the Solo Entertainer's Blueprint for Success. My name is Rick Bell. They call me the gig coach. I'm a full-time professional solo entertainer, and I play a lot of shows, actually over 300 per year at this point. Now, this podcast is for anyone who wants to become a successful professional solo entertainer. Maybe you're a musician playing in a band, and you've wondered if you could make it as a solo performer. Maybe you're a solo performer now, and you're playing and singing, but really not getting anywhere. Maybe you're a singer, a karaoke singer, and you love to sing, and you've often wondered if you actually could take your passion for singing and earn money with that. Or maybe you're a DJ who wants to break out of the pack of all the other normal DJs who stand behind a table and hit a computer button. Well, this podcast is for you if any of these sound familiar. See, the market is hungry. The entertainment market has changed, and it's hungry for a different kind of entertainment. Today, we're going to talk about when to quit your day job and play full-time. Now, this is, if you really get honest with most people who love music, love to sing, or involved in any way, this would be the dream question they would have. When could I quit my day job and just do music full-time? I do this full-time six nights a week, usually sometimes seven. That's days and nights because I do day gigs, and then I'll do uh, night gigs the same, same day. And people ask me, is this all you do? Translate that to, man, I wish I didn't have to get up in the morning and go punch the clock or show up at the office at 8 o'clock. I wish I could do what you do. And to be honest with you, yeah, I used to be one of those um, 8 o'clock at the office guys for many years. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How to do this. How to get started. I have a system called thegigcoach.com, T-H-E-G-I-G-C-O-A-C-H.com. And this podcast is sponsored by thegigcoach.com. And I encourage you to go there and look at the information. I, I stress this all the time. It's not because I'm trying to get you to buy a bunch of stuff. There's, there's not a lot of stuff to buy. In other words, information from me that I can give you. But whatever you can get from me, believe me, it's going to be very valuable to you in the overall scheme of things as you go forward. Anything you can learn from someone else's mistakes or successes, what they've done and what you're wanting to do, can leap you forward. You can take a huge step forward. A 2017 Gallup poll revealed that 85% of people in a random survey hate their job. You get that. 85% of people hate what they're doing because 85% of people, at least, are not doing what they are 
really talented at, good at, put on this earth to do, if you will. The problem is they have the talent to do something else, but they don't have a clue how to get started, how to take that talent and turn it into a business. I fully understand this 85% because I was one of them. You see, I sold out early in my career and became a slave of corporate America. And I totally hated my job. I hated most things about it. I would tell myself every morning that, well, I'm making a lot of money, and I was, and I'm, you know, have a corner office, and I did, and I had a nice little name tag on my desk, and it said president of this corporation, and I was. It wasn't my corporation. It wasn't my business, but I was the president. So I played that whole role. But let me tell you how I got there. Let me rewind and back up. When I was growing up as a kid, all I ever wanted to do was play the guitar. And if you've heard some of my other podcasts, you understand what I'm talking about. I just wanted to play. I ended up being a singer because I could sing, and it was just a natural thing for me. They go hand in hand, so I was a singer and a guitarist. And I was able to play professionally from the time I was 14 years old. And I was earning good money. I still lived at home and didn't have any bills to pay. Well, I'd say I didn't. I bought myself a a car, a Trans Am, one of those Smokey and the Bandit Trans Ams. That was popular then. And at the same time, I bought myself a van, one of the good time vans. I had both of these at the same time. I'm a 16-year-old kid, you know, living at home with a good time van and a, a Trans Am with a bird on it. And I bought a motorcycle. I mean, I had plenty of money. When you're young and you're living at home, you can buy that stuff because I didn't have to pay insurance or any of that. But I was a pro back then. And when I got out of high school, all I wanted to do was go on the road and play music. I mean, why not? Because I'd done other things. I had had a, um, I, I worked one summer as a carpenter building a house with some of my older musician friends who had a carpentry business, a construction business. Oh man, I knew then I never wanted to do that for a living. Uh, Nothing against carpenters, but standing on a roof in Texas in the middle of July with a hammer is uh, not the place that, that I wanted to be ever again. So I had other jobs and I really appreciated being able to play music. And I was out on the road with a, a good band and we had an agent who was a very good agent. And in those days, there was plenty of work for bands. We traveled, traveled all over the United States from one, you know, one end to the other, literally. But as people do sometimes, especially young people, I had a girlfriend back home and she wanted me to come home and be off the road. So I caved in to that and came off the road and let me let me just give you a word of wisdom from someone who's done this for a, a few years now. Don't ever compromise your dream, your calling for someone in a relationship. And the reason is, if that relationship is meant to be, they're going to understand who you are. And they're going to encourage and embrace and make it possible for you to go and do your dream. If they're really into you, if they're really the one for you, that's how that's going to work out. So don't compromise that. Don't sell out your dreams for a relationship because it will almost never work out for the good. There will be resentment and the fact that your partner 
is trying to get you to to give up what you do and who you are tells you there is some control and manipulation. There's a potential for that there. But I gave it all up and tried to get on a kind of a, a track toward getting a real job. It's what you know. Your dad always tells you when you're going to get a real job when you're playing in a band. That's in fact, I still hear that. When are you getting a real job? Well. What I do is a real job. It's a business, and we're going to talk about how to get that business off the ground a bit in this in this podcast. So when I, the thing that I loved to do, I loved music, and I loved boxing and the martial arts. That's just what I, don't ask me why. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a boxer. Now, my hometown happens to be a uh, a little town in East Texas called Marshall, Texas. And that was the hometown of George Foreman, the heavyweight champion of the world. And he, and the first time he was a heavyweight champion, he came and spoke to my high school in a very motivational speech. And man, it, it touched me. And, and I, I just wanted to, for some reason, that really made me want to be a boxer. So as time went on, I, I couldn't find a place to box. It's not the kind of a sport you can just walk in and sign up for a boxing club, not in those days. So martial arts was the other thing I wanted to do because I had a cousin, my very favorite cousin. Everyone has an older someone who they look up to, and he was about 15 years older than me, but he was a black belt in karate, and I wanted to be a black belt. Badly, I did, from the time I was a kid. So, in fact, I actually trained myself when I was a kid and I made myself a little card that said I was a black belt because I bought a book, a dime store book that said how to become a black belt in karate, you know, crazy stuff. But that's what I wanted to do. So I went into the martial arts teaching business. I was a good, I'm a good teacher. I like to teach people that here I am on this podcast, you know, teaching you guys stuff. And I like to teach. So I was a natural for martial arts and I'm an, a good athlete. I was a fighter. I was a pro professional kickboxer, boxer. I think I've mentioned this before on my, my podcast. And uh, it's the real deal, not making it up. <laughs> I, I actually uh, have got the, uh, the scars to prove it. And so I was, I was good at it, but I loved teaching. But anyway, I, I, that's what I did. And I ended up in martial arts schools. All right. I, I own several martial arts schools as, a, as an instructor, a black belt. And I sold those schools, and I ended up in martial arts management, a company that managed uh, you know, accounts receivable for about a 1,000 or more martial arts schools throughout America and the U.K. And um, some, I think we had some schools in Australia. But I was, that's what I did. That was my day job. And I just grew to hate it. I, I just absolutely, at first it was okay because I kept telling myself that's what I should do. But then something starts to happen to you when you get in your 30s, certainly 40s. You start to reassess things in your life. And in my case, I was a musician. That's what I loved to do. And I had always been really good at it. I was born with a gift for music. And like I said, all I really ever wanted to do was just play the guitar. I loved to do that. But I put it aside and gone into my corporate thing and... Through circumstances, I ended up getting the guitar out and starting to play and getting a band together when I was in the middle of my corporate career doing that. But I regret that I ever stepped away from it because I lost so much time uh, 
I had good friends who I grew up with. My One of my best friends, he was the drummer in my band. And when we were young, when I went out on the road, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee to play drums for a, a guy named Johnny Paycheck, who was a country singer. He had the song, Take This Job and Shove It. And you, you may have heard, you know who Johnny Paycheck is. Well, my friend played drums for Johnny Paycheck and ended up living in Nashville. And just, he didn't come home. See, when I came home off the road and tried to plug myself into a decent job and, you know, back to my girlfriend, which became my wife, which became my ex-wife, go figure that one. He was in Nashville and he stayed up there and he nearly starved to death, but he would go out with Paycheck. Paycheck was working a lot in those days, a lot of concerts, and he had he made good money with Paycheck. But th- that's a feast or famine thing. When you're a sideman in a band like that, when the band is out on tour, you've got a good paycheck. And when the band's off tour, when Paycheck's home, you are out of work unless they have you on salary or retainer, and sometimes they do. But those out-of-work musicians are always scrambling, hustling, trying to get something together. Well, my friend was one of those guys and he lived there and he, he worked two gigs a day. He would do a matinee gig. This is every day to survive. He would play a matinee gig in the afternoon. Then he would have an evening, a happy hour gig later that night. And I don't know the exact times, but I was there with him a lot when he was doing that. And I'm telling you, I think if I'm not mistaken, he was getting paid $25 a night to do that. I mean, it was not much at all. It was nearly nothing. But he hung around, and he met the right people. And as fast forward through the years, he decided that rather than trying to be another musician in the huge pool of musicians, he wanted to stay in the music business, but he wanted to do something where he could earn a steady income. So he got a job selling T-shirts for Brooks and Dunn. Brooks and Dunn is a big country act, uh, one of the biggest in the world. In fact, at the time, they were the biggest in the world. He sold t-shirts for Brooks and Dunn. Well, that led to him being put in charge of the concessions, uh, all the t-shirts, the merchandise sales. He ended up being in charge of that for a while. And one thing led to another. He kept being promoted until he ended up being their road manager, Brooks and Dunn's road manager. And that was a great gig, and I don't know how many years he did. He's a great personal guy. He has a good uh, personality. You know, you like him when you meet him. But he's just a regular guy, just like one of us. But he didn't quit. He stayed with it. And from that, there was another group that he ended up being offered the job to manage them and I'm not going to drop their name. I don't like to drop names, but I'm saying this to put it in context. And he left Brooks and Dunn, which I told him, don't do that because you got a steady deal. This is me, his buddy telling him, don't do that. But he said, this new group is really going to hit. I have a good feeling. So he signed on with them and they made him their manager. And this group exploded and became the biggest group in the world. And I'm not going going to name them, but I'm just saying if I told you the, the numbers that the money that this group did, your head would spin around like the exorcist or something. So, and I said all that just to say 
And he, he was along for that ride and made a fortune, literally. The band did, and, and he did too. But it was because he didn't sell out and quit and come home. And sometimes you have to just commit and put the pedal to the metal, as they say. Now, that's one of the stories from guys back home. There are other guys that became successful from back in my area that I played with musically. One of the guys you may know is um, a guy named Neil McCoy, and he, he became a big country act in the 90s. His name was McGoy with a G. Really a great guy. The guy you see on stage is who he really is. But he started out in a little Chinese restaurant playing a little solo thing with a piano player and sometimes a guitar player. Um, and I was with him some on some of those gigs, I believe. Some of, it was a restaurant called Cantons in Longview, Texas. And I, I'm pretty sure I played some of those with him. But super, super guy. So I'm telling you, you just have to be tenacious if you want to do this. You have to really want to do this. Let's talk about this. So you have a day job now, you're working, and you're probably one of those 85% that hate their day job. Before you can become, before you can live the dream like I'm doing, you have to have a plan. And you have to use your day job to fund your career launch. I want you to get that in your head. Use what you're doing now. Don't just blow your money because there are some things you're going to need to invest in to do this. If you want to quit your day job and play full-time, here's the path you want to be on to accomplish that. First of all, you have to understand what business you are going into. You're not going into the music business. That's selling music. That's selling what used to be CDs and now online things and you know, concert merchandise. That's the music business. That's what record labels do. You, on the other hand, are going into the entertainment business. You will be an entertainment entrepreneur. You will work for yourself. That's what entrepreneur is. You will start and build a business. In this case, your business is going to be your act. You. You are going to become a brand, B-R-A-N-D, just like Coca-Cola and a Big Mac. That's what a brand is. Now, you're not going to be big like that. Maybe you are. Who knows? But that's what you're going to do is build a local, legendary brand. And you have to get totally serious about learning what you have to learn to be a full-time entertainer. There's a lot to learn. And until now, there hasn't been a resource where you could... Have someone sit down and mentor and teach you these things. But that's what I do in thegigcoach.com. I want to teach you these things to save you the years that it took me to learn this the hard way and the wasted time and all the time I wasted in corporate working, dealing with people. I didn't even like being in meetings with people that I would rather be anywhere else than that. I could have been a professional solo entertainer like I am now. And stay busy like I am now. But I just I just didn't know that. So you have to realize you're going to be working every day in the entertainment business. And although performance hours aren't that long, performing takes much more mental effort than a typical day job. When you're standing on stage and people are watching you, 
and you're carrying them along and carrying the evening, it, it's taxing on you emotionally, mentally. So you have to be prepared for that. I'm just, I'm giving you these things to get you prepared for the way this really works and how it is. You have to be willing to step way outside of your little comfort zone box and become an entertainer, an entertainer. And that takes most musicians into areas that they're not comfortable. They want to just be cool. You know, I wish you could see this picture of me. I'm going to, I'll put it on the website with this at thegigcoach.com with this podcast. It was when I was, I think I was 14 years old, 15, I was probably 14. I was playing in a rock and roll band and I've got long hair down to my shoulder and I'm standing there with an expressionless look on my face. Why was I doing that? Because my local rock star guitar player hero, who I mimicked and idolized, I didn't know at the time because I had no outside influences. When he played the guitar, he would stand there stoically and not move and have his right foot on a, a wah-wah pedal. You guitar players know what that is, a crybaby. And he would stand there with his foot on that crybaby for the entire set and never move. And never his eyes would never come off of his guitar neck. He would look totally expressionless. Well, I thought that's how I needed to be because it looked so cool to me because he could play so well. Well, come to find out as years went on and I grew up and got to know him, he didn't have any personality. He was so shy. That's why he stood there like that. But the picture's kind of interesting because I'm mimicking him. And that that says what a lot of us have come to believe in, in music, growing up with music, that you got to look cool and you're too cool to do certain things. If you think of yourself that way, you're not going to go very far as an entertainment entrepreneur. You have to be willing to get way outside of your box, and you have to be willing to look at separate services you can offer besides just singing and playing music. You're going to have to offer DJ services. You're going to be a full-fledged DJ who happens to sing live with the show. In other words, if you have to do three hours of vocals, guitar, piano with track music or no vocal piano, whatever. If you're just singing with track music, you've got to be able to do that for three hours if that's what's needed. If, on the other hand, you're needed for three hours of DJ music, which is easy, you've got to be able to provide the DJ music that they want to hear. So you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone one of the best things I ever did, and again, I am a brand. My brand is Rockin' Rick Entertainment. In my area, I crush it. I dominate. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you from a business standpoint. I'm the guy. I'm the guy with all the residency gigs. I'm the guy who makes the good bucks, to be honest, to, you know, not trying to trying to be crass here or, or something, but that's who you want to be in your market. You want to be that legendary local brand when they think of entertainment. One of the best things I ever did a few years ago, one of my residency gigs where I play every week, perform my live music, DJ karaoke blend, which tends to draw big crowds, 
week after week after week, month after month, year after year. There's a reason when you stay in a residency gig, you're not just staying there because you're, you're you know, your mother is the manager of the club. It's you're doing something right. One of my venues approached me and said, "Hey, would you ever be interested in hosting a trivia night on one of our weeknights that like Tuesday night because your other night is so popular, we want to add in trivia and we want you to host it." I said, "Well, I don't I've never done that. I guess I could research it and see what it would take." So I began to research trivia. And I found out, man, this this is popular. This trivia thing is amazing. So I built a trivia game from scratch. I know how to do that stuff from all of my corporate days. I build websites and I know how to do PowerPoints and presentations and videos and audios. I did all that in corporate. I was kind of the multimedia guru guy for all that. So it wasn't a big deal, but I built a really cool PowerPoint trivia game and Started to host it. I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I just kind of went on instinct. That thing, now you talk about blowing up and exploding. It exploded. And it became, for this venue, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't exaggerate on this podcast. I mean, because it's on tape. <laughs> it's got to be the truth. They told me when I started doing the trivia, their night, let's say on a Tuesday night, it increased their income, their cash register increased tenfold, not twice as much, not three times as much. Hear me now, 10 times the income for when I was there doing the trivia. It went up tenfold. Now, that's been three years ago. Since then, it's just continued. It got so successful that rather than doing one game a night there because they were standing room only, they had to start doing two games. So now I have to do two different games there every uh, Tuesday night. And let me just say it this way, the tips and the pay that they pay. Well, if you've got a restaurant and all of a sudden your, uh, your income goes up tenfold, that's a thousand percent increase. Don't you think they're really happy to pay the entertainment that's there that's doing that? Yep, you better believe so. It's a gold mine. It's a gold mine, and it takes me, I do, each show is an hour and 15 minutes about. And then I'll do a 45-minute a break between the, sh the the games, the trivia games, and they get a whole new crowd in there, and we do it all over again. Different Different game. But it's a gold mine. So I'm telling you, if you're willing to step out of your box of what you do, you can make a living doing this. I never dreamed that I could make this kind of successful, sustainable income doing what I love to do. Doing a two-hour, you know, basically trivia show on a night. Doing an hour a day, usually, at retirement centers. Very good, steady income. Now, remember, none of this stuff I'm telling you is free. I don't go and do these for free or for tips. These are contracted, well-paid, worth my time because I've built an entertainment brand. Now, am I some kind of super-duper you know, singer, guitar player, whatever? I wouldn't say so. I'm competent. I mean, I, I sing well. I sing on pitch. 
I play, I'd have to say, really well since I've been doing it since I was six years old. A pretty good lead guitarist, and I play a lot of other instruments. I I taught music for a, a long time, and you know, still do. I coach people through thegigcoach.com, but I wouldn't say I'm anything special. I just learned how to build a brand and learned what I needed to do by watching other successful people do it. That's one thing that's been good for me. I've always been a good student of learning. I hated school. I I think I told you in another podcast, but I've always loved to learn, to sit at the feet of people who know something. But you have to be willing to play. If you're going to do this, you got to get outside the box and you got to be willing to do different things and play multiple times a day. If you really want to make good money, you're going to have to do afternoon gigs, sometimes morning gigs and afternoon gigs and evening gigs. And the way that you do that is that you structure, you build a system for your equipment, load in and load out. And I have all of this stuff available. I have a course that teaches you how to do everything from A to Z, and it'll be available in February of 2020. I'm still putting the finishing touches on all of that. But you have to build out a way that you can get your equipment in, have it set up in five minutes or less. And I don't mean just an acoustic guitar, walk in and open your case and sing. That doesn't get it. That doesn't separate you from all the other people who are competing for those gigs. You have to have a setup, something that looks cool, something that's special, that's different, that people don't see every day. And my equipment setup, that's what I teach you how to do. But I basically have like four or five different complete setups and they include the same equipment. Some is different. First of all, I have a full stage setup when I'm doing a big show, and that's everything, maybe multiple instruments, my controller console, I put a drum. It's really important. I put an electronic drum kit in front of me, sometimes congas in front of me. It's important having something in front of you, visual, visual. I'll teach you all this. Again, all the secrets that set you apart and may put you into that high-income category. It's these little secrets. That's my full-stage setup. Then I have a smaller setup that I do for private parties and different things, and it's easy. Again, it that's about a 20-minute uh, setup for that and, and teardown. Then I have a retirement center setup that is a five-minute setup. And again, it's guitar, track music, laptop, controller, good speaker, not a huge one. You don't need a big one for the for the retirement centers. Wireless headset, wireless guitar, um, some other special things that that you know we're talking about. And then my last setup I have is a trivia setup, which includes a sound system and a microphone and a computer that you generate the trivia on. And you plug your computer into their TV on the wall because every venue that wants this has TVs. They're like sports bars. And you just plug an HDMI cable in. And I teach you how to do all that stuff. I gave you the system, the turnkey system. That will work. But I want you to know that you have to build a brand. It's going to be a brand that people, when they think of you and they see you at these residency gigs, which you need to get, They'll think, oh, they'd be great at my party. Those residency gigs are like paid infomercials for you. You also are going to need an incubator period. 
When I was starting one of my karate schools, I think the third one I had, maybe, I started it in a, something called a business incubator in my hometown. I was actually in Marshall, Texas, where George Foreman was from. That's where I was doing my boxing and kickboxing. George was in his second career. He won the title again in uh, early, I think it was 91, 92. I was in my fighting career then as a professional kickboxer. And I was a boxer, but I focused more on kickboxing. My manager had me kickboxing. But I was in a business incubator, and that is what your job, your day job is your incubator right now. Take the money that you have and invest it in learning how to do this, buying the right equipment that you, you, you need someone to tell you what you need to buy because you can go crazy buying stuff, equipment and subs and tops and all this crap that you don't need. You don't need this. In today's market, it's not about loud. Loud is gone. The days when we used to play gigs and we needed to turn up and crank and shake the walls, it's over. People want to talk these days. They want to sit at a table and talk and have you in an area playing, providing sound where they can hear it, but it's not going to overpower them. So I can save you a ton on exactly what you need and what you don't. Another thing you want to look at is thinking seriously. If you're going to be an entertainment provider, you're going to have to include karaoke because the demand for karaoke is probably 8, 10, 15 times as high as it is for you playing and singing your songs with a guitar or a piano. Karaoke is very popular. It's one of the most popular activities in America right now. I saw a statistic. The other day, and it blew my mind that karaoke is one of the most popular go-to things in clubs and bars. And if you can provide that, you talk about steady income, man, that's a, that's a residency gig there, plus private parties. That's a bonus you can sell them. When they're booking you for a private event, you can add in the karaoke for another few hundred bucks or something. And it's, it's just income. It's running a business. But while you're in your incubation period, learning how to do this, get resources like thegigcoach.com. Get everything you can to learn how to do this. You've got to develop a good stage presence and style. And before you launch into your career, before you quit your day job and do this, and by the way, when you do, you need to burn the bridges and move forward and commit to doing this. Don't do it halfway because it will never work. It won't get done. You've got to basically burn the bridge, go forward, and do it. But it helps if you have a spouse or partner who has a day job who can support you as you launch this business. This is like any other business. It's going to take a little bit of time to get going. It's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of knowledge that keeps people from being able to move in and do this. This is a very, these are closely guarded secrets that people have kept uh to themselves for years because they didn't want to share them. They were afraid of someone else stealing their gig, getting the info and stealing their gig. Well, I'm willing to share these with you in thegigcoach.com. Go there and, and sign up on my email list because I want to be able to let you know when I'm, I'm doing some more training and have more modules, training modules coming out in courses. There are going to be, after the first of the year, many courses on this, and I highly encourage you to spend the bucks, whatever it's going to be. It's not expensive. Get these courses. Learn. Listen to everything I have to say. 
It's like a college course. If you took one college course, the average course probably is three or four or five hundred dollars. I don't know. I haven't looked into it in a while. I know if I go and take a class in something, it's three or four or five hundred dollars. When I was teaching music and I had a new student, it was three hundred. Well, it's two hundred and like ninety-seven dollars to just sign up in my music class. So it's not a big amount. But you have to be willing to invest and do that. So if you will go to my website, just give me your email address. I'm not going to spam you and send you crap every you know day in your inbox and all that. That's not what I'm about. Man, I'm too busy playing gigs to do that. But I am trying to help you and build something here that can be a resource for, for people. This is Rick Bell, thegigcoach.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.